Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Spin the Rally Pod. That was far, far too enthusiastic for a Monday. Welcome to Spin the Rally Pod. And uh, our illustrious leader is not with us today. Sadly, we have lost our lovely Lisa O'Sullivan to Wimbledon. Probably a worthy cause. Uh, just for two weeks only. This is the second week, of course, of Wimbledon for those tennis buffs out there who uh, who didn't know that, which, of course, they all did. And joining me is Luke Barry. Luke recently sorry of course our new editor who's no longer a new editor who's now a week old editor um <laughs> luke recently back from sweden barry of all nicknames i've had david that's maybe slightly longer and um, but it's more polite than some of them so do you know what i'll take that and um, but yeah recently, <laughs> recently back from sweden um for round five of the european rally challenge at royal rally of Scandinavia, which I'm sure we're going to get into. I don't know if it's going to be at the top or not. David, you're the man in charge today. I've actually, well, if once it's you that's done the planning for the running order, not me. So it's yeah. going to be exciting. A week off it's for me. Well, it's going to be a, a, a voyage of discovery, it's fair to say. I uh, I haven't, um, I promised you I'd done the, the running order over the weekend. Frantically wrote it with about 30 seconds to go before we started recording. Uh, but of course it'll be fine. Uh, and normal service people will be resumed we have colin clark is on holiday george is um i'm not entirely sure where george is i think we may have forgotten to send him the message about this one apologies george you will be invited back of course you're always welcome on spin the rally pod um but there was a, definitely a slightly frantic element when we realized that uh, that lease was busy at wimbledon so anyway you're gonna have to put up with luke and i uh, and with my um hastily arranged uh, running order, which does indeed start with Sweden. Uh, and I've got on my notes here, Solbergs, uh, Padden, and shut up, Siri. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Solbergs, Padden, and Mads. And just lots. Actually, the first thing I want to talk about, Luke, is what was it like being there without snow? Being obviously, you know, I know that you hadn't been there during a, a winter version of the event, but. You know, you've seen enough on TV, and, and particularly Collins Crest. What was that like without any snow? Yeah, so you're right, and I'm glad you put that caveat in, because I was going to start with that. Is In a way, the, <laughs> like the context of the whole thing was a little bit lost on me, because I'd never been to Rally Sweden. I'd never been to Sweden. I'd never been to Scandinavia before last week. So all of that was, was new to me. So in a way, it's almost as if I had nothing to compare it to. But you're right, Collins Crest was the obvious one. It was the only was obviously part of a stage, but the Collins stage, that was the only bit of road that was actually in common with with certainly Rally Sweden in the last sort of decade. I'm not sure if some of the stages were used way back in time, but it was essentially for everybody a brand new rally, regardless of the sort of conditions comparisons anyway. So in a way, you would never would have known, but walking up to, to that crest was, it, obviously it was Collins crest, you knew that, but seeing 
just everything else around it rather than the snowbanks lining it was quite weird it really was quite strange um but as i say this is the thing i spent probably more of saturday i'll keep what it's called sunday it was saturday the second day than i maybe should have done as a working journalist standing there watching rally cars Mm. it's that kind of of place though it does draw you in doesn't it you've got to just watch one more massively massively and there, there was so much that was put on and that was the thing it was obviously for us diehard rally fans watching the rally cars is the main event but there was so much more at that location than just the rallying there was all the sort of catering and hospitality there was a barbecue still going on there was a, a live mm. stage presented in a band and even guest q a's with marcus erickson indy 500 driver the legends of the event all the solberg stig bonkfist etc alistair mccray so it was a massive festival atmosphere at this most amazing place to watch a rally car. And there is a feature that I've written. And it's, I'll be honest, I don't think it's one of my best features, but hopefully it sort of conveys yeah, the sort of atmosphere of standing there in the summer. I think the long and short of it is it's still amazing. You don't need the yeah. snow for that sort of place to be to be cool. But it was very interesting to see what is a massively iconic spot of, of world rallying and spectating and, and imagery and everything. But with that mm. summer twist, it was quite interesting. But for the drivers, it was a bit easier because it, it was essentially a straighter jump than before, just with the way it were. I think I'm pretty sure I don't. Ah, uh, because snowbanks weren't weren't yeah. narrowing the road down. Yeah, right. and I th- and I think the organizer moved some of the or tried to move some of the rocks back if he could as well. So there's obviously still that kink naturally to the road, but I think the jeopardy on the right hand side when you land wasn't quite as severe, and you certainly didn't get. The sort of imagery of it, I think, pretty sure Thierry Neuville did it one year. Loads of others have when they come over the jump and they clip the snowbank when they go over it and the car ends yeah, up yeah. and two. There was none of that. Although there were a few that were um, quite lively in approach. Some wiped out the uh, the beaters' boards as well. So still plenty of action. Hey, so how many people were there? Was that was the whole area full? It. I ended up. So I was panicking a little bit. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not a massive we skilled rally partner, particularly when it comes to spectating. So I was like, I think I got there maybe two hours before stage went live. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be enough. I wasn't sure if it was going to be completely packed wow. out. And at that point, it actually was fine. There were obviously there were people there, but I managed to get quite a good spot. It then got busier and busier, obviously, as we got closer to the stage going live. Um, but I went for the safe option, which was a rather grisly alarm call for me. Um, but to be fair, that was even mm. later than the drivers got up, so I shouldn't complain. But for me, it was too early. Um, but, but yeah, there, 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 there was still a good atmosphere. Some locals did tell me that it wasn't quite as much as back in, in winter. But again, there's a caveat to that. Is it is technically a new event. It also is European Championship, but not World Championship. And I don't mm. know if that may be impacted some potential interest i'm not sure but there was certainly still a great atmosphere and plenty of people there again i was i haven't been there in winter to actively yeah. confirm either way but as i say i, I wasn't standing here thinking wow this is quiet put it that way but uh, you know there is there's a whole sort of thing isn't there that you know that, that section of the valgashen stage it's a february thing it's a you know a swedish rally a rally sweden whatever you want to call it thing that happens in february so for a big bunch of people it's not a July thing, um, and I'm sure there is a, almost a kind of mindset thing that they're, they're going to have to get around. But, you know, Glenn Olsen is one of the most talented rally organisers and, and rally promoters uh, in, in the world. Uh, and he was the, the man behind Sweden's WRC round for years and, and has now turned his, his talents towards its European Championship round. And everything that you said then nothing surprised me about there being a band there about there being the legends on stage talking about all of that 
you know, Glenn, he's something of a trailblazer in establishing these areas of, of corporate hospitality and just a fan engagement, if you like. Um, it, it's what he does. And so, but on the whole, though, I mean, everything that I've heard from, from that event and spoken to a few drivers now, generally the, the feeling is, certainly from the likes of, of Mads, Hayden and, and Oliver, the feeling is that they could have been on a WRC round, that the event was that good. Yeah, it, it did. I think I can't remember who it was that used the phrase, but it did feel like a a mini WRC event. And I think what was most interesting actually was just how great the roads were, because mm. again, they were slightly different to the stages they'd used on Rally Sweden. But obviously, the main talking point there was about the snow and how much snow have we got? Is there not any? So gravel was like the worst nightmare. But actually, mm. it turns out it was the dream because the love that the drivers had for the roads in these conditions was amazing. And they stood up so well. The second pass, there was barely any rutting at all. I think maybe on the power stage in Collins, there's a couple of bits that got a little bit rocky, but that's really to be expected. Generally speaking, it was immaculate. The roads were described to me by a few as like Finland, but without the big jumps. And then, but yeah. also with, I think some people even sort of compared it to Kielder Forest in, in the UK where you've got the ditches everywhere around the corner so there was really no margin for error at all so it was really interesting to see just how great the roads are because as you say as, as I said before before all you talk about with this event was what the snow just like you wouldn't really focus on the actual nature of the roads because the big talking point as the one snow event of the year was the fact it was snow and ice and the studded tires mm. rather than the quality of the stages but they really shone out here, and I think there's a yeah. There's we did we have got a news story already on dirtfood.com, so check that out if you haven't. But um, some some interesting comments from a couple of drivers suggesting that perhaps it was even nicer to drive than Rally Finland, which doesn't always land Ooh. well. It's one of these controversial things to say, isn't it? But actually, yeah. I mean, who am I to comment? I've not driven either, <laughs> so I have no idea. <laughs> but it's, it's you've done one the, rally, and you think you're now empowered. <laughs> to to call the difference between two of the finest rallies in the world. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll go back into my box. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. No, 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 but, you know, you're not the, you certainly wouldn't be the first and, and any driver wouldn't be the first to say that Sweden's roads, um, Sweden has always been one of the the most favoured rounds of the championship. Uh, and there, there is a real character to those roads around Varmland and, and calling it Finland without the jumps, you know, it's about right. Uh, it was always, always one of my favourites to go and report on. Um, particularly when the snow came, the, the road. I mean, we, sh- you know, we're we're talking here as though Sweden only ever runs winter rallies. There is a, <laughs> a great wealth and depth of experience of running rallies through the summer. Of course, there is. You know, there's some great historic um, midsummer events um, that that have gone on there. Uh, and the road was the softness of the road was something that I was curious about. But talking to a few people, they said, you know, don't forget that. In the winter, the studded tyre would absolutely tear any gravel road to shreds. Um, so, you know, regardless of whether it was Sardinia or, or the UK or wherever. Um, so it, it was more to do with the stud than the fact that uh, they were getting down to the, bare, to the bare gravel. So, But it was good that it held up. And you have to say it was, 
it was absolutely the royal rally of Scandinavia. But Sweden's royal rallying family was there as well, wasn't it, with the Solbergs? They were they were out in force. Yeah, I, I think the event would have been amazing without them, but they really took it to another level. I think <laughs> I think everybody's a fan of the Solbergs in, in one way or another. Whether you, you were at the time in Pest was at the peak of power, whether you were Henning fan, whether you remember Penilla's exploits, obviously there's so many more family members, but whether you're an Oliver fan now, but I think it's the passion for rallying that they have that cannot be underestimated. And that's what was really so clear to, to everyone and, and to me at the weekend was just the amount of effort that was put on there. Obviously, the rally was very happy to have them, but all of this was Petra Solberg's idea. He put the mm. most... It, it, this was his brain to get to get them all there, and it's just how much this event means to them to have a rally back in in their local area. But it, it was amazing to to see them all, and obviously the driving aspect was was really fun for them. And there's some really special stories. I was having a brief chat with with Petra's mother Tuve, if that's how we pronounce it. Apologies if it's not. I didn't get that nailed down, but her English wasn't great, so I, I tried to keep it brief because I couldn't match her in Norwegian or Swedish unfortunately um but disappointing for, i know after a but, weekend in scandinavia that's very disappointing <laughs> i'm sorry i've let myself down <laughs> as always but she 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 said to me she's always always thought no i don't want to sit in a rally car there's no need but there's something about this occasion she thought yeah why not and i think pet mm. was actually quite surprised that she said yes when he asked her but she loved it she absolutely he- loved it he didn't take it very easy over Collins Crest, though, did he? Given that she what, she's 70 years old or something, he was still fairly flat out over there. <laughs> yeah, I was, that was impressive commitment. Because that's I, I, the thing, I did stick around for, for their entrance. And to be fair, actually, Petter and Penilla and, and Henning, actually, I'm going to take it back. Alistair McRae, for me, was the most impressive of the legends over there. And in a Mark II, he, he really properly sent that thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> over that, he did. He did, which is actually, obviously he had uh, Colin's daughter, Holly, in the car as well. So for me, watching that, it was actually quite a poignant moment. I felt almost a little bit emotional when I really thought about what I'd just seen. But I, yeah, they, yeah. they all went for it. And it was, obviously, that's where all the fans were. I can't comment for the commitment anywhere else in the stage. But they weren't hanging about. Obviously, most of them were driving blind without pace notes. So there's obviously a risk involved. These cars are worth something. They didn't want to be doing any damage. But considering all that, yeah, there was it, it was very special to, to see it all and to see how much it meant to the family. And I think that was the best thing about all of it was that Oliver managed to get the job done as well. Mm. Not that it would have been a bad weekend without it, but that really just completed the full circle thing. So I am sure yeah. there were uh, plenty of celebrations on Sunday night. Absolutely. And actually, I will put you on the spot live on air now because I, I did have a conversation yesterday morning or yesterday afternoon. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was yesterday afternoon because there were some celebrations in the Solberg household uh and in fairness across the whole event but i I caught up with max mcrae uh who of course was doing it it's a junior erc round and and another tricky event for for max with um uh, broken or broken steering arm and some drive shaft trouble um but he did get to go obviously across collins crest on on the saturday and he maintains that he flew further than uh, than Alistair. What do you reckon? You you do now have the deciding vote. You watched them both. <laughs> so tell us, who was, who was the most spectacular? I'm going to do a slight cop-out because I wasn't there for Max's second run, which <gasps> I believe was when he did the full send. So right. I think the second time, yes. I think first time round, Alistair was, was further. But I, I Max denied it. I asked him, I said, did you jump that far because your dad did? And he said, no, no, he's just going to go for it. But I don't know. I, I think there was something in him. You must have seen a picture or something. And he thought, yeah. no, I'm going to outdo him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be outdone by the old boy. 
Yeah. But no, there is there is real emotion there. Um, and, and obviously, Collins Crest, it was named in 2008, uh, the first rally Sweden after Collins' untimely death in, in 2007. And it was just, it was a place that I, because I remember asking back in the day, why is, you know, why is it so special? Um, and it was just fans had always gone there to watch Colin because Colin was so spectacular. He would jump that wee bit further. Um, but I guess now, comparatively speaking, he probably, his Colin's biggest jump wouldn't be, would and would he have jumped as far as Max McRae, you know, given s- suspension technology and what have you? Um, it's, yeah, but it's it's a great place and it's a, it's a, it's a great stretch of road uh, and in a great memory, of course. And, and you touched on there, um, Oliver Solberg getting the job done. Hayden Padden, he, he hadn't read the script on Friday, had he? He, he gave Oliver <laughs> quite a hard time there. He did. He did. I, I do find Padden's approach actually really interesting because it must be really, really difficult to do what he does because in the situation he's in now with, with the championship lead that he's got, it's not unassailable, but it's it's definitely mm. strong and he keeps building on that with his assured performances. It's now four second places in a row, so I think he used the quote, he doesn't really enjoy being the bridesmaid, <laughs> but for the championship, he knows that's what he has to do. But if he backs off too much, then with the pace and the depth or strength and depth in the ERC, he's going to get swallowed up. So he has to keep going at a good pace. But you're right, I didn't expect to see his name at the top of the timesheets on the first couple of stages. And that's not any discredit to, to Pad's ability. We know how good he is on these kind of roads. He's done it, proved it several times in the past. But everyone just expected just didn't need to, to lead from the front. Yeah, we didn't need to. But, and yeah. everyone, but I, I think Solberg... Yeah. I think he was struggling a little bit to find his way back into the VW on the first couple. I think the phrase he yeah. used for me was he needed those two stages to sort of get his head back into it, and then he and then he responded. But I was quite impressed at how Solberg dealt with the pressure of this event because I know he's an experienced driver. He's only twenty one, but it's the same with Cali Rovan Perra. The age doesn't matter. He, he's an experienced mm. driver now, almost, isn't he? In some regards, he knows what to do. He knows how to win rallies, but. On this is this was his first shot at a real home event. He'd only I think only done Rally Sweden in this uh, region once, and that was when yeah. it was the strange rally with not so much snow and all the cancel stages and stuff. So it was a big moment for him to come here with with the expectation from everybody to win. He must have dearly loved to win, of course he did, and he managed to sort of keep all that together and and get it across the line. But Padden kept him honest throughout the entire event. He, he kept him there. I think it was only until the final afternoon we realized nah that there's there's no way he wanted to keep over in a place where he was under a bit of pressure, but you couldn't drive silly or too crazy to pass it. But he realized it was never going to, all of it wasn't going to crack basically. So he backed off a bit mm. and they both got results, which are amazing for their respective seasons. And the, I say the respect between the two of them. And it, it, it's, I, I'm getting myself tripped up in my words, but there are, there are sort of pair of drivers who are both obviously at the top of their game, but we haven't really seen them compete against each other before, have we? Which so that was quite no. nice to see as a, dynamic as well i want to tell you a story it's a story about a scandal broken relationships gossip rumors money corporate rivalry and a broom a performance enhancing broom my name is john cullen i'm a comedian podcaster and for 20 years i was a semi-professional curler and i want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500 year old sport of curling we felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight it's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace oh, i was being dragged through the mud it's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream <laughs> i said that's great news it's a story of intrigue i still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Yeah, no, they, absolutely. And, you know, any time that Hayden Padden gets fed up with finishing second, he can always just go home uh, and just win everything. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can kind of see his perspective on that because he is such a dominant force um, down in New Zealand, winning New Zealand championship after, after championship. It, it is difficult to come and finish second, but he is doing a, a brilliant job. You know, he's demonstrated that he had the speed early on and he's turning in a real sort of strategy now as well. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I was quite surprised at some of the, the comments from from Oliver and, and from guys like Mads Osberg. Um, you know, just how the, I'm guessing there was a lot of rain around, that the surface was quite changeable, the grip levels were, were very variable as well. And to hear drivers talking of being scared, okay, we know that Oliver had the, this, the issue with the steering, that he wasn't 100% confident. And when you are doing 100 mile an hour between the trees, you want to be fairly sure that when you turn the wheel left, you're going to go left. And so that, that would have brought a slight edge to the event for him. But what was it with, with Madzi, do you think? I mean, I was... There was part of me that thought this is one event where Mads will absolutely pull out all the stops, and I kind of expected him to be up in the top three, but it it, it just didn't really feature. Yeah, I think it's been a difficult season for him. I think after Fafi when I, th- I think he was well, he was second, wasn't he? He was only maybe ten yeah. seconds or so off off Padden. We all expected the season to be this Hayden Padden versus Mads Osberg battle, but. Since then, it just for whatever reason it hasn't really worked. From what I can understand, I suspect is, and we've seen it with Johan Rossell at WRC two as well. That the Citroen isn't as good a gravel car as it is on tarmac. I don't think it's unfair to suggest that. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, that just seems to be the way it is. Drivers can't seem to find the same comfort from it, the same feeling from it. And I think that's possibly where Osberg struggled. If again, I could be wrong, but I'm sure he was the only Citroen on the entry list for this weekend. So it's difficult to know. That's the thing. We don't have a benchmark, do we, to say where are the other C three drivers were and stuff. But I think there was brake issues. There was a small sort of problem with the engine at points. We didn't have full power. It was just little problems that just sort of pegged him back. And on a rally as fast as this, and with the margins as tight as that, and there's many drivers to beat as this. Anything like that with one hand tied behind your back, it's very difficult to then try and make an impression he obviously did make an yeah. impression at Collins Crest where he, he broke the record not once but twice um, he <laughs> took it on the first pass and then beat himself on the second which I think was the massive positive for his weekend and it's it's not the sort of prize it's not the prize he wanted of course he wanted it but it's not the prize he wanted he wanted to try and get a podium potentially win the round yeah. but it, it is a positive in a way for Mads that you'll have to take but I think it is going to be difficult now for him to really challenge for the championship with we do allow one drop score in ERC, but he hasn't beaten Padden on mm. a single event now. And that we're five rounds in of eight. So I think it's going to be tricky for him now. It is. And, and you know, he would have come into all of these events pushing like hell anyway. And to now know that you are very firmly on your back foot and you've got to find that extra gear and find that extra speed, it makes it even harder, doesn't it? And, you know, I guess the only hope for him now is that they're coming into some tarmac uh, and he can maybe find some speed there as we as we head to to Rome for the next DRC round uh but no it's great it's and you know great experience to go out there and 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 good to see a real corker of a of an ERC round as well so 
yeah, all all good uh, on that front. And of course, you will be returning to Scandinavia uh, soon enough when you go to Rally Finland, which again is a is a first. For me, yep, yeah, a first. But before we move on, I, I sense where this is going. I apologize for doing your job. I did manage to have a quick word with <laughs> Peter and Pinawa Solberg. And I'm going to apologize in front up here, listeners. My uh, microphone may or may not have been operating properly when I recorded this. So the sound quality might not be amazing, but it's listenable. So hopefully you still appreciate it. We've got maybe seven minutes or so with Peter and Pinawa who gave up some time for me which was amazing given how this is just at the end of the event and <laughs> it's it's to be expected but the amount of people coming up to congratulate them wanting pictures autographs so to get some minutes with them was quite difficult so i really appreciate the time and uh, here's what they had to say to me so you join us on the i was about to say sunday it's a saturday <laughs> at the end of royal rally scandinavia the fifth round of the european rally championship but it's much more than that i'm inside the petersolberg rally or ex petersolberg rally cross motorhome which means i'm in front of two very special people <laughs> peter and Penelope. i'm calling you the royal family of sweden that's official i've seen no, so okay. many people outside <laughs> desperate to get a piece of you first of all guys we'll come to you peter first just what has this weekend meant to you as a family to have you all out here competing has been amazing well obviously this is uh, a great event i must say and Especially, you know, when we don't have the Swedish rally here in, in Värmland, who was, you know, has been a big history around that all the time. And then uh, Glenn started his European Championship. And for us to do something for, uh, you know, since Pernilla's family is from, from here, you know, uh, it's a very important area for motorsport. You know, we try to figure out how we can to help and, and uh, do some big activities. And then we have come with the double-decker here. We have come with a lot of cars. We gave a car to Alice McRae, my brother, Stig Olof, uh, drove here with his own car. And of course, Pernilla's. That I think is the biggest thing after 23 years, jumping into her own Mitsubishi with the same car driver. Of course, this rally ha here have been, you know, incredible, uh, you know, special, you know, for, for the family and for the fans. I'm glad you said that about Pernilla's stories. I didn't want to say it and offend you, but it's actually better. But for me, I think it is genuinely amazing that it's been that long since you drove a car and this weekend yeah. you've done it just talk us through what that's felt like have the old sort of instincts come back yeah i have to say i was so nervous because i had actually no idea we had a test monday where i really wanted to get some practice done and the car did not go you know the engine didn't work so i i couldn't get any mileage whatsoever um luckily we got the engine fine so it ran ran well so i could do a few laps on this rally cross track or, or autocross track that they have in town but it's not a stage at least the, the driving felt okay i felt like i had that but then you get into the car and you start with the pace notes again i i, I was such hard work to sort of trust it that i didn't really you know let go because i was like oh did i misunderstand the quarter was it really here and no so that was that was i think the hardest part to get that back a bit again but i enjoyed it so much it was such great fun really enjoyable it must be strange for you to compete when you've got all the here as well because last time you competed all i wasn't even born no, <laughs> See, so. so that was just so surreal to have first of all him driving his own full race and then i had Peter, my uncle, my mother-in-law, Henning, it's like, wow, what are we doing, you know? It, but it was just such a great feeling to have all of us. And, and also, you know, you, you go up and you line up early to the stage, you meet all these legends, you know, like Matti Jumsson, Stig Blomqvist, and you stand there and you chat with them before you go. And with Alistair and Holly being here was so nice and so special. 
So I, I thought it was just magical, really, really nice. And you seem to go really far over Carlin's crest as well. You weren't holding back from what I saw. No, I, I really tried. I wanted to jump nicely and I wanted to land nicely, but I had a problem with the car to get it in gears. Okay. So I didn't have the speed that I wanted. So the jump for me that I did was not as far as I wanted. I jumped 24 <laughs> meters, which is fine. Well, it's 23 but years ago, you yeah, know, and the car I've been in the museum for 23 years yeah, ago. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't jumped in 23 years, but you, you sit there and you picture yourself, how you're going to line the car up and how it's going to run. I landed nicely, but I wish it was a bit further. Now, Petra, you're reunited with your Citroen C4 World Rally Car with a very special person alongside you. Tell us about that. Well, I think she enjoyed more about standing and talking to Steve Lundqvist <laughs> than this guy before the stage, you know, so I have to, you know, drag her into the car and fasten her in and, and she was sitting there very quietly, but, With you a know, big smile. Big oh. smile after the stage, you know, so happy. I forgot to turn on the camera that we had in the car also, so we missed that one. But uh, I think that was emotional. You know, I think when I asked my mother what to do it, she had never been in a rally car and then she said yes, so I was a little bit surprised, so, well. <laughs> Of course, without payload, but you know we came here for a different reason, and and uh, I think that enjoyment with her was uh, meaning a lot, a lot, um, a lot to me. And and it's maybe the first rally we haven't focused on Oliver at all. We yeah. came here as a family to enjoy, and also for Oliver's point of view, because the pool have been in the museum also for three years uh, <laughs> basically, and he tested 40 k's on Monday, so uh, so that also went much better than we expected. So, but uh, all the cars went. Good, and Pernilla yeah, uh, had the small issues, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think uh, I think everybody, uh, hope everybody is happy about because of the passion we have for, for rallying and motorsport, you know, we just want the best for, for everybody, you know. Yeah, no, I have to say on behalf of, I think, all rally fans, it's been great to have you. For me, it's added something really extra to the event. I think the event was great anyway, but to have you guys <laughs> anyway job. was special. It was special. Oh, nice to hear. Yeah. It's difficult because you only got to do two stages rather than the full rally, but from what you did get to see, what did you make of these stages at this time of year, no snowbacks? Our stages was absolutely fantastic. And I think most of them, you know, it was maybe one stage you got a little bit rutted, but that's it. Uh, because when you're using main roads like this, you know, it's, uh, it's hard packed and... You know, they had 136 kilometer average uh, last night on the last stage, you know, it's, that starts to be quite fast. And, uh, but the roads are incredible. I think they've done an incredible job as the first time they're having this uh, Rally Royal. So I think they will have a great future. So it's just to build on from this and, um, and see if we come back next year, I think. Yeah, and I also enjoyed <laughs> that they had really tried to make it like a festival feeling. They had the open service area to invite people to come here. There's lots of things to buy, different kinds of food. They have a band. They had the same on service with a big screen. They made it, I think, quite easy for people to come out and watch the rally. Which Marcus, is something I, I, Ericsson, I, the which I missed um, a lot on the other events. So they really think of the spectator to, to bring the action and the excitement to everyone which I really really appreciated mm. and yeah like you said with Marcus Eriksson our Swedish IndyCar driver Formula One driver who was here to help as well you know to give out prices it's fantastic you know everybody is so happy to have a rally again in this area it means a lot and I guess it all feels complete because your boy managed to do the job. Yeah, I actually team. feel quite oh. sorry for him because he must have been under so much pressure. I've never seen of, him uh. so focused as he's been on this rally. He was so... so on the interviews, uh, we have never yeah. seen him like that. He no. had been, you know, well, stone cold, basically. Mm. He looked like a Finn in the interviews, you yeah. know, like yeah. properly yeah. short answers and... and um, 
but it worked out well. So that it's mm. you know quite impressed with that, you know, with all the pressure from the locals here, you know. But again, he's putting more pressure on himself anyway. So <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. so oh, that was good, very good. Possibly too early to ask you, but this rally comes back next year. Can we see as many Solbergs, if not more Solbergs, at the stages? We have a couple of more three, four drivers in the family, you know. I think we'll, we'll, we'll rely on the others now to, to help out this rally. It was a lot of work for this, combined with, with Oliver's program in the World Championship. It takes a lot of time, and with the other stuff we're working with, so it's... Yeah, but I, I love doing it this year. I think it was nice, but who knows? Maybe. Thank you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on, next on the list and actually linked to the WRC is what happened in Luna Esti Rally uh, at the weekend on Saturday with Oik Tanak and Temu Sunanen both competing uh, in southeast Estonia. A bit of a surprise this because we knew that Tanak was going uh, and obviously you would have read about that on dirtfish.com. Temu's entry was a bit of a surprise um and he i'm not even sure he knew when i spoke to him a couple of weeks ago or 10 days or so ago uh we talked about how much testing he'd got before estonia and he said oh it's a, it's a day or something but these these events like like lunar esti luke they do i mean they really do make sense don't they to get out there and do a day massively yeah massively for, for, for tanak obviously i think the the reasons are self-explanatory he's, he's trying to learn the car on fast gravel it's obviously easy for him to get there given he lives in Estonia he's from Estonia mm. and it's an opportunity again for him to compete on home stage in front of his fans so it's a complete no-brainer and I don't know why I'm addressing it like that as if it doesn't make sense Ryan and I and Sunanen either because Sunanen also lives in Estonia if that was the caveat and as we say he's not really had any I say it's not any problem he's had some mileage in a rally one car but not with the mindset of I'm going to be driving this thing against the world's best rally drivers. So for him to, yeah. to get this time, I think it's massively important. I'm really glad that he's got that extra seat time because I think we all want to see what Taylor can do in Estonia. And if he's fighting fit with everything he needs, there's no reason to suggest he can't be right up there. But if he was going to come in short on real proper seat time, it would have been difficult to get up to speed. So yeah, I, I'm really happy to see that he managed to get the times. We can't really read too much into the fact that I can't remember what the gap was. I should check on the EWC dash results.com. But Tanak thirty eight seconds. About, thank you very much. I was gonna say about half a minute up, so that was nice in general, which yeah. would have covered my back. <laughs> but yeah, he's we can't read too much into that. It's it's essentially a test, isn't it, with the clock running for these guys. So it's yeah. not it doesn't really mean anything but yeah i think it's really nice to see them both doing it. and I, I still think it's great that we are seeing rally one cars on national events because not everybody can can either afford to or have the time to or for whatever reason get to wrc rally so it's great to see that these cars are out there um, and it's something extra for the fans to enjoy and obviously great for the drivers to get seat time 
obviously and absolutely right there and just one brief aside um we'll come back to to Luna Esti in a sec British fans have been robbed of any chance to see Rally One cars or indeed the World Rally Championship since 2019. Uh, and there are, you know, there are countries all around the world that are desperate to see WRC. Uh, so, you know, we, we had it since 1973 until 2019, so we don't have too much to complain about. But it's the same as everything, isn't it? When you've had it and you lost it, then it, it really does hurt. Um, but Anybody hoping to see all three Rally 1 cars this year, the only place to do that is Goodwood Festival of Speed. Uh, and having said that, I think actually the festival's sold out. So if you if you <laughs> haven't got tickets already, this this is a bit of a moot point. But So what's it, David it doing is... here? He's, he's saying to everybody, I'm going to see you. <laughs> you could have done. Unlucky. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there's an element of that. I'm terribly sorry. That's not That's not great. But it is at least... In Britain, these cars are. There are going to be a whole bunch of British fans already who, who'd already bought tickets to to Goodwood. They will have the chance to to watch the cars um, on the stage. So, and they are, from what I understand, some of them. I think the Toyotas are going to be doing the Forest Rally stage as well. Um, and Toyota's Hilux Dakar car is is there as well. There's a lot going on at the festival this year. Um, in terms of drivers, we have already mentioned that Oit Tanak and Adrian Formo drive for M Sport. Uh, for Toyota, it is Yari Matti Latvala and local megastar Elvin Evans, uh, who's actually not local to Goodwood. He would not appreciate that because obviously Goodwood is in England and Elvin is very much a Welshman. Uh, and Hyundai, we think, is Thierry and Esapeka Lappi. Um, so, no, really good, cool lineup of drivers uh, and beyond the usual. Oh, sorry, beyond the, 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 the WRC contingent, there is the usual number um, of, of, of other cars going both up the hill and through the forest rally stage. Our own uh, Dirtfish owner, Steve Rimmer, is taking a good number of his own cars, or BGM Sport, Ian Gwynn, who runs the, the cars for Steve, uh, is taking s- some of the cars along to be driven by none other than our own head, head, head of strategy, Josie Rimmer, and her brother, James Rimmer. Uh, so just uh, the cars that I know that are going... Uh, it's the Peugeot 205 T16. These are Steve's cars. The RS200, 206 World Rally car, which I think is an ex-Burns car, which is going to be driven by Max McRae and Tom Williams. Big McRae outing there. Uh, we've got Jimmy. Obviously, Jimmy is a is a regular at Goodwood every year. Brilliant to see him there. Uh, Alistair, Max, Holly. Um, uh, Holly's mum, Alison, is, is coming as well. Um, there's a Fiat 131. There's... Uh, a group A and Pretza. There's all sorts um, of, of beautiful, beautiful cars out there. And I think there's a chance that Steve himself might be driving the, the Mark 1 RS 1600, uh, which will be very, very interesting. So stay tuned. We will keep you completely uh, ahead of what goes on at Goodwood um, across the website. Uh, and obviously with, with videos and, and all manner of social content as well. Jumping back now to Luna Esty, you're you're quite right, Luke. You know we shouldn't read too much in. It was sixty-eight kilometers around forty odd miles, and the difference was thirty thirty-eight seconds, something like that. So I have owed Luke Barry a feature uh, on Tamu Sunana for well over a week now. And Tamu, <laughs> I know you're a listener, so I've got to apologise. We had that enormously long conversation 
where you were very lovely and said loads of really interesting things. And you must have been sat there thinking, when is Dirtfish ever going to write my story? It's happening. I have done the transcript, uh, which I don't know if you can hear. That's all the printed out transcript. Uh, and I have to say, there was so much interesting stuff in there. I'd forgotten how interesting Temu Sunan is, which is worrying because we only spoke a week ago. Uh, but there's loads of stuff in there that he said um, that we'd forgotten about these Rally 1 cars. Obviously, Temu, like we said, competing in one for the first time. So he was talking about the regen. And I said, well, you know, regen, it's, it's, it's fine. You just jump on the brakes and you're regenerating. And he said, yeah, but... There's more to it than that, and I am ruining the feature, but still read the feature. There's, there's going to be a bit more than just this in there. Um, he said, you know, if you lock the wheels, then you're not regenerating the, the battery. You have to, the wheels have to be turning, obviously, to generate the heat to regen. Um, and he said, you know, you're, everything that you've learned as a rally driver is to brake as late and as hard as you can without locking up. Whereas now, in these Rally 1 cars, you're much more progressive on the brakes, and you're because you're trying to lengthen the braking period so that you can recharge um the hybrid so there's a whole bunch of things that like i say i'd kind of forgotten and it's only talking to tamer who's now going to be driving in in estonia and finland it brings it all back uh so there's that and there's a whole bunch of other stuff um in there that uh, that is going to be worth reading when i do get around to writing that feature which will be very soon what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Uh Lots more to write about on Dirtfish.com this week. No more so than in America, where we go to New England, first of the East, first and only, in fact, uh, East Coast rounds of the championship for New England Forest Rally and Luke Barry on the spot once again. Tell us, what do we think Brandon Semenuk has to do to be champion? Not a lot, to be fair. <laughs> I think genuinely he only needs one single championship point to do it. So essentially he just needs to finish the rally, doesn't he? Which at the minute yeah. is something he's doing with ease. He's, it's an incredible start, isn't it? He's, I think was it, I can't remember the date exactly, but he hasn't been beaten on a single stage in America since March, which is yeah. nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And I know it's It's easy like 70 odd stages he's won or something. It's crazy. It? And I think this yeah. is a sad thing with Semenuk season is there are things there we've maybe not had the competition that perhaps we'd all hoped or maybe expected, but you cannot underestimate how well he is driving at the minute. And this is the thing, and that gets lost in everything because he hasn't necessarily got the obvious and clear benchmark to compare to. But yeah. it's an incredible run to be consistently driving at that speed. Um, it's it's mental and uh, yeah I, I I think it'd be a massive surprise if he wasn't going to wrap up the championship this weekend in a way he could have done it before on <laughs> something like Forest Ride just how well his season's gone but I think it was that Paris stage loss to Barry McKenna wasn't it in 100 acre wood that, that essentially yeah. I say cost him the championship it, it stopped him winning <laughs> as early yeah. as he could have done but yeah mightily impressive season but there's obviously a lot more to focus on beyond just the battle at the front. I think no more so than in the two-wheel drive class. So we've got 
again, Leah Block, who can't be kept out of a car at the minute, whether it's Rallycross, yeah. whether it's the, the Pikes Peak machine, whether it's Extreme, Extreme E, e. It's, yeah. it's everything she's driving at the minute, which is massively, A, impressive, but B, important for her career as she develops, because she's still only 16. I think that's what we have mm. to remember, is she's a name that we're becoming more and more familiar with, but she's 16 years old. So it's actually, it frightens me in a way how good she could be, but she's already this good now, and she's in the learning phase. Yeah. Uh, absolutely and like you say you know everything that she we saw her drive um and i think she was was she p3 in qualifying uh in, in extreme e or her her team was and obviously she contributed to that everything that she's doing whether it's nitro or whatever um where she's obviously she was running in the next class in in nitro as well it's just building her bank of of, of experience and knowledge and driving even the the huna Pegasus up up Pikes Peak is just fantastic and you know she is so completely relaxed uh and just taking everything in her stride she's really she's got a great kind of mentor in in Derek Dauncey a guy who's been around and and built Hoonigan Racing and and essentially Ken Block's whole rallying brand was built by Ken and and Derek um uh, and obviously Brian Scotto people like this were in there as well but a, a big part of that framework is is obviously there for Leah, and it's and it's going to really help her, uh, and she will need it. And I just, you know, I absolutely. First of all, I hope she does whatever she wants to do because there are so many doors opening to to Leah Block in the world of motorsport right now. But I just hope um, that she sticks with rallying because you know we are desperate for a absolute top flight female rally talent, um, and for me, it's Leah. You know, she she is so, so committed in I've watched her in a couple of places now uh, and just so quick, just not scared of it. And as she said over the over the weekend in Sardinia at Extreme, you know, at her age, not a lot scares you um, and it doesn't. And, you know, if you're building that experience at that age, as we've seen with 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 Calais Rovenpera, with Oliver Solberg, when you're coming up from age 10 or whatever, driving at cars carts whatever on the limit you you uh, almost um subconsciously you're building your experience and your understanding of what the car's doing and what the car's telling you so yeah no you're you're dead right there is a, there's a huge amount uh to look out for and you know in terms i f- feel frustrated in the same way that you do for for brandon seminuk and for for keaton williams as well that I feel that this year it's easy for them not to get the recognition they deserve. They they won the championship fair and square last year, and it's it was on events like New England last year. They beat Ken Block by I, I can't remember the number, but it was less than a second. You know, it was that close, and the competition was that fierce. And it's it's not easy to step back from that absolute white hot competition to winning events by ten minutes. Um, but Brandon and Keaton are just showing that they are super professional in everything that they do um and vermont sports cars just building the best car um out there 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 is this ongoing debate of open class versus rally two cars whatever you know there is one thing that's absolutely or two things that's absolutely for sure brandon great driver vsc great team um it's not for them to decide the rules and regulations uh they're down to ara and, and they need to be absolutely got right in the future and i'm sure they will be uh so there is just one person that i wanted to mention in terms of um new england 
uh, and that was Javier Olivares, who is driving a Fiesta Rally 3. So Javier was brilliant. In, he won OTR, he won limited four-wheel drive uh, in, in Oregon. Uh, and we spoke throughout the weekend. And I just felt that you, you must have had this, Luke, when you've spoken to a driver for the whole weekend and you come away and you just think, oh, I just didn't quite do him justice in the report or in the video or whatever. So ha- Javier was that guy. Um, so I won't be in New England this weekend. I will be at the Festival of Speed, obviously. But I just wanted to wish Javier all the best uh, and go for another class win. <laughs> and, and we promise that we will report it. Uh, forward at the, uh, the 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 respected um, level of coverage uh, this time, we won't let you down again. Uh, so, so no, it is. We could be crowning an American champion this weekend, which will be very exciting. Uh, and I think I'm just going down the list now. Luke Barry, is there anything else that you well, want just, to say? Or just important to stress that, as David alluded to earlier, this will all be covered. On Dirt Vision Live says you can follow every single twist and turn of the event, all the behind the scenes stuff. And let me tell you, there's some amazing things that happen on American rallies that you probably wouldn't believe um, if you didn't know about them. <laughs> and, and, and DLC is a place to find out about it. We've got a crack team. We've even got Colin Clark out there this weekend yep. as well. So, yeah, it, making his debut. Making his debut in, in the area. Is DLC. America ready for the Colin Clark? <laughs> We'll find out. So Colin and Brenton will be our ace team. Jack Harris will be running the keys. I'll be, I was going to say staying up through the night. It's not too brutal, actually, because it's an East Coast event. It's it's more kind for me in the UK to work it. And be, I'll, yeah. I'll be sort of manning the ship, as it were, from that side of things. So, yeah, plenty to go and plenty to keep attention to. And, yeah, as you say, I think with American rallying, it's, I've never been, so it maybe comes a bit cheap saying this, but I've followed it close enough now with, with Dirtvers for the last three years that it's not so much what happens on the stages, but everything around it that makes it so special mm. with it. I think that's the key thing, and that's what DLC gives you, is, it, is I'm calling it DLC, Dirtvers Live Centre, of course, that that's our little code name internally, forgetting mm. that's not necessarily how it's known to the outside world. But yeah, Dirtvers Live Centre, it allows you to come on that journey of what the adventure is like for everybody on the rally. So if you haven't paid attention to it maybe you're somebody that's followed it all for wrc events but haven't managed to get around to doing on ara i really encourage you to pay attention this weekend and just follow it and see what american rallying is all about because it's, it's fantastic content i promise i'm not just saying that i uh, know it is absolutely it is it's it, the, there's so much color and just so much stuff goes on in those events like you said and you know, one of the f- best things that I've really enjoyed, I've done, I did Olympus and Oregon this year, and was the fact that you get out of the top 10 cars and then you have just got no idea what's coming around the corner. Uh, but it, it's always going to be entertaining. Uh, and walking through Park Exposé, there's, there's so much enthusiasm, so much passion for the sport. It's fantastic. It's an absolute pleasure to be out there and uh, and report on these events. And like you say, Dirtfish Live Center, it takes you on that journey. The The tagline for Dirtfish Live Center is, there's more to the rally than the race. Uh, and th- and that's exactly what it is. There is more to the rally than the, the actual competition. That's what Dirtfish Live Center gives you. It shows you exactly the geography of the place that we're in. And I've got to be honest, I'm really looking forward to, to Colin going out there because, you know, Cole is somebody who, he did Oregon a few years ago, um, but he loves American rallying as much as, as any of us. And to, to have Colin out there um, just communicating some of that, uh, that that passion and that fever and that enthusiasm is, is going to be great. So it is 
don't be caught out it is a friday saturday uh event in in new england uh we think it's about five hours behind the uk so what would yeah. that mean if you're in central europe it's six hours behind. six four, four. yeah six hours six. behind uh in front behind Behind, 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 <laughs> behind, behind. You might yeah, want to check good, this. We're good at this. There's a reason we write about rally cars and don't do like weather or dates or calendars. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. But it, it, it is going to be great. It's a fantastic event. It, you know, the roads out there, I did New England donkeys years ago uh, and was struck by just how fast it is. Uh, it's, I would say, one of the quickest uh, rounds at a championship. I have just pulled up the so Seminook's win from last year on a 180 kilometer event his average was 122 kilometers an hour uh which is is quick enough um and a lot of the roads really lots of big crest lots of flat crest lots some corners over the crest but just wide nice wide sweeping roads uh so speed is is of the essence uh in sunday river this week so yeah that's that's about it for me apart from to say obviously if you haven't subscribed to spin the rally pod why not you just have to go to your podcast supplier whether that would be what would that be luke that would be spotify or apple Podcasts are the main ones we're on obviously all the socials at dirtfish rally and have a good look through our youtube channel which has uh, our, f- our fantastic video editor Elliot Barnard's video from Ravens Rock, uh, which was tremendously emotive uh, event to go to in in memory of Craig Breen. Have a watch of that, and we will catch you next week, where hopefully Lisa will have departed SW19, and she will be uh, having a much firmer hand on the tiller than than I have this week. Uh, so yeah, it's been interesting. Thank you very much for your time, Luke. <laughs> Thanks, David. Thanks very much. Thank you.